What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Cheney Pope with us on the episode today. I'm so excited, you guys, because she has her own personal story, but she also has something really cool that she has been working on. So, Cheney, I'm just going to throw it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. I just wanted to first say um, thank you to Shelly and the whole Life After Miscarriage community. It it just makes a huge difference. It has for me um, to be able to listen to other women all over the country tell their stories um, in such a, a incredible and brave way. And it certainly has spurred me on to do the same in my own life. Um, so thank you for that. Absolutely. And, thank you. Yeah. And um, so to start off, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about my, my relationship and my marriage. My husband and I met the very first week of college. We kept up with each other. Um, right from the start and became really close friends, but didn't start dating until the end of college. My husband started his first restaurant, a family business, right out of school after we graduated, and I continued on to graduate school. We loved each other so much, and I, I just remember those feelings of talking about marriage and, and hoping for that in the future as we both got started in our careers. Um, now, to preface before I get into like, the bulk of, of my story and my miscarriages, um, my biggest, most life-altering events have happened in the, late, in the last eight years of my life. Becoming a mother and the road to motherhood transformed my entire life and pointed me onto an unbelievable path. Um, so despite the, the lows I'm going to share and, and the details um, that have happened in my life, in the last eight years. I hope that you hear that my story is laced with hope and the tremendous amounts of gratitude for everyone and everything that I've experienced. In the middle of my last semester of graduate school, one normal Thursday, March, I found out I was pregnant. Those first moments after taking a preg- my, that pregnancy test were just pure shock. It's, I can feel it right now as I'm saying it out loud. Completely unplanned, a million things rushed through my mind at 24 years old, and the conversations that followed with my boyfriend at the time, who then became my soon my soon to be loving husband, included more shock and tears and prayers. We felt the rush of things changing and and, and had no idea what to do. The immense role we were about to play as parents were was constantly on our mind and what we so badly wanted, this baby, our baby. How are we going to tell our parents was the first question, our siblings, our friends. What was the right step for us, and how were we going to do it all? But we took one step after the other. We started to tell our story to the people around us, the roadblocks. We had, we had terrible reactions and broken friendships along the way. They will always be a part of our story. They, those, those experiences truly did hurt us, but they also fueled us in a way um, that could clearly define where we needed to be and what we were grateful for. 
we had, because we had countless friends and family that showed us just how much they loved us and would love our precious baby. They really stood by us, that team, that village of people, and they reminded us constantly that we could do it, that we could be parents. Planned or unplanned, we were given the chance to love a baby, to raise a child, and to start a family together. We planned a wedding. We got married. We moved in together in a matter of three months. We oh, had my goodness. Two, yes, <laughs> yes. We had asked us before welcoming a beautiful, healthy baby girl into the world. And she has absolutely changed us forever. That incredible little girl continues to shape our lives, our choices, and is just the most amazing gift. The experiences we had with our baby in, in, in their toddler years and just spurred on like tons of conversations about our future and having another baby. Between moves and timing and new restaurants, those conversations kept coming over the years. Um, but right before my daughter's fourth birthday, um, we found out that we were pregnant. We got pregnant pretty quickly. Um, in the big scheme of things. And we only chose to tell several close family members at the time. We tried our hardest. I remember just waiting, trying to wait so patiently for that first ultrasound. And we walked in to find that out that first visit that our usual ultrasound technician in the office was out unexpectedly. The nurse and the doctor um, decided they would do the ultrasound instead in the office. And the whole appointment just felt off from the very beginning. It was kind of this nervous energy that was palpable. Um, and it made anxiety just rush over me immediately. When they did the ultrasound, it was evident that there was a lot of miscommunication and that neither of them were very confident in using the ultrasound machine. Um, it took a while for them to get the picture correct to find our baby. And when it, when they did, it was rushed. Um, there wasn't much information. And the doctor said she saw a flicker of a heartbeat and that our baby was measuring early, too early to hear um, a heartbeat at the time. The next few moments, they, they handed me our ultrasound pictures and they shuffled me out the door with my husband and we were supposed to make our next appointment. And all of it just felt so uncomfortable. Um, I felt so alone in how to navigate the next step and not have enough information that day. It's like your expectations were so high and then all of a sudden they were so low. Um, Based on what she said about our baby, our, our baby was measuring about three weeks behind. And I remember feeling like there was just a lump in my throat and I knew something was wrong. Later that evening after the appointment, I started spotting. So frustrated by the lack of details and support from my doctor, I called another doctor that next day. I explained everything that happened to the nurse. They told me that even though I was a brand new patient, they would squeeze me in on Monday morning, but I had three days of waiting ahead of me. At the new doctor on Monday morning, I was taken straight to an ultrasound. The technician was sweet and kind, so different from the other day. But she confirmed my worst fears, the fears I sat with all weekend. I was, in fact, losing our baby. And 
I wrote not too long ago a little excerpt for a friend of mine who runs an incredible group called Sela St. Simons um, in my town. And I remember jotting down notes in my journal in the days in between waiting for each doctor's appointment and how I felt. And this is the best way I can describe how I initially felt when I realized that we were losing our baby. So this is a quick quote. You know that feeling right before you cry happy tears when you realize your body is innately reacting to something that brings you instant and inexplicable joy? That the happy just rises up until it turns into tears. When I realized I was miscarrying our baby, my body did the exact opposite. It tried desperately to shut off, like it was stalled, waiting for something to reverse and go back to the hour before when none of it was happening. And those words just have stuck with me over the years. And when I talked to my doctor that day, my new doctor, I could tell that I was able to finally tell her how I was feeling. She held my hand. She walked me through my choices and made her recommendation. A DNC was scheduled, and I went home with my husband to wait yet again to hold my oldest daughter, who didn't know she was going to be a big sister in the first place. That's when the pretending started for me. I pretended to be okay, trying hard to fill my life to the brim so I could prove to myself that I was okay and to everybody else. I gave everything I had to everyone to numb it away because none of my coping skills were working. All the tools I thought I had built my whole life weren't working. My first counseling, my first counselor didn't help the way I hoped. I tried. I felt my pain. I, I felt like my pain was invisible, but nothing could really take my pain away either. And so it took me almost six months after that DNC to finally admit I wasn't okay. I had to ask for help. And through a series of conversations with my husband, he gave me the chance to really be seen and heard. He deci we decided together on what felt best to both of us. And the first step I took was to see a psychiatrist. She normalized my pain in a way that made that invisibility go away. She validated it. She explained that so many women suffer in silence. And she also diagnosed me with postpartum depression and explained a course of treatment that would help in the future. The next step I found, I, the next step for me was that I found a new person to talk to. That counselor that didn't fit um, needed to be a boundary that I set in my life. And I found a new person through a series of unreal, you know, unreal, real events. I found a mentor, um, through my church instead of a counseling community. I began to work hard wading through my grief and pain instead of avoiding and believing I was capable of handling it all on my own. She continues, my mentor, to fill my life with so much goodness, inspiration, and love. She is, without a doubt, one of my very best friends. We had incredible support and help um, to face our grief as a couple, um, and I had the support that I needed to face it at my own pace, but it took a long time, a lot longer than I anticipated. It was messy and beautiful. I faced judgment at times about depression and, in, and taking antidepressants. I faced questions about my miscarriage that made me feel so isolated, like no one could see the pain I felt again. But I also found the people that got it, that listened, that didn't shy away and run from my story. They held my hand and they accepted me right where I was. In the two years that followed our miscarriage, 
good hard work continued. Weekly meetings with my mentor gave way to new incredible groups of women in my life. My husband and I faced our fears together and had really difficult conversations. It was by far the hardest period I have faced thus yet. So we asked ourselves, my husband and I, countless questions, but these are just a few. Like, do we want to have another child? What if we lose another baby? Can we really do this? Can we take that risk again? And are we strong enough to do it? And honestly, those, those answers, like I said, took a, a long time, a lot longer than I could ever imagine. The hurt we both experienced was so unique to each of us. My husband's love and honesty in those conversations, looking back, just, make, just made such a huge difference to me. We have always been in this together from day one, from an unplanned pregnancy to an unexpected miscarriage. We knew we could do it as long as we had each other. We were able to take that risk together, and we started trying to have another baby. About five months after trying to conceive, one normal Tuesday night, I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. A baby. It was really happening. My daughter was in her room right across the hall when it was all going on. I let the tears flow before wiping them away and hugging her for so long. She didn't have to know right then, and I realized that, and we would wait a long time to tell her. And that was our choice. But I celebrated immediately with her in that hug. I waited six days to tell my husband. Looking back, those days were filled with prayers and gratitude. I was the only one in the world that knew. It was crazy. I really took in those days knowing this was the beginning, and I wanted a chance to tell him in a special way. On my 31st birthday, I walked him out to our favorite beach in our little town and told him he would be a dad again to another Pope baby. Our first OB appointment, unfortunately, came a lot quicker than I anticipated. One weekend at a local event, I started spotting. My mom and my daughter were right there with me, but they had no clue. Anxiety immediately took hold of me again. I went home immediately, laid down, cried. I had my mom take my daughter. And like I said, both of them were unaware that I was pregnant. And we had only told two people in our life thus far. Um, and we wanted to wait till that first OB appointment to tell our parents. And so my brother, who I am forever grateful for, came over right away um, and laid with me and waited and prayed until my husband could get home. The spotting slowed down. By the time Monday came, it was yet again a weekend when all it was happening. And I wasn't in an excruciating pain and there wasn't really any feelings of an emergency. So I felt like it was the right thing to do, even though I called a nurse and, and talked to her and was, was reassured of that. But the wait was just agonizing again. Luckily, the doctor got me in right away that Monday morning. And what happened minutes into that ultrasound rocked our world yet again. We were having twins, two babies. And it was so early, only about seven weeks. And one baby was measuring just a few days smaller. And we got to hear one heartbeat. And we saw a flicker of another. And we would have to come back a week later to hear both heartbeats. Our doctor explained about losing both babies. Um, but the one incredible fact that we had um, was that there was a large 
thick membrane in between the two sacs. They were not sharing a gestational sac. And for him, he kept reassuring us that that was the greatest thing that could have happened for our babies. And that even if baby B stopped growing, baby A would still thrive and vice versa. And he felt really sure about this. But we left uncertain and rocked and shocked again, not knowing what to do. From then we had weekly appointments, ultrasounds every time to check on both babies. Baby A continued to thrive. And in the weeks to come, baby B stopped growing. That reality was just a constant in the doctor's office because I had to tell like so many women, we have to tell our story over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Not, only, not only retelling my first miscarriage, but then having to tell the facts again and again and reliving the trauma of explaining that baby B is not thriving, but baby A is, and them getting confused on our charts often of whether we were a twin pregnancy or a singleton pregnancy. We lived with that every single time. And I remember just looking over my husband with his head in his hand. It all wrong. That feeling is, is like nothing in the world. Um, and yet you're the one to stand up for yourself and tell them what's happening. And by the time we got to the 20 week anatomy scan, the big scan, I, I was, I just had a feeling what we waited for in, and what we had learned over those 20 weeks or 13 weeks had, we learned so much about vanishing twin syndrome and what we were experiencing and how if baby B continued not to grow, that more than likely the sac would be absorbed in utero. And that one day, when we got to an ultrasound, that baby would no longer be there. Our baby would no longer be there. So when the 20 week scan came around, I just had this feeling that, that, that this was it, that things were changing. And the halfway point was just so huge in my head. And when we got there, um, it was such a hard scan and such a beautiful one all at the same time. Baby B was gone, and baby A was so healthy. I was in such a strange place of celebrating this beautiful baby that was thriving and grieving the loss of our baby, too. The new support I developed through my first miscarriage carried me through this time of, of immense celebration and tremendous grief. My husband and I were side by side, walking through all of these emotions together, every appointment, every conversation. I also had weekly mentor, mentor time still and being able to tell her exactly how I was feeling without judgment and unwarranted advice just gave me so much confidence to face each and every appointment. My closest friends too, I just can't imagine my life without them. They poured out their love and gave me the chance to say I was grieving while also being excited. It was such a weird thing to say out loud to them. The anxiety throughout my pregnancy would have been so different without all of them. They truly got me through. And in May of 2018, we welcomed a healthy, incredible baby girl. And it is so amazing to say all is out loud again. I've been so encouraged by 
people and women and, uh, and men in my life that have cared and wanted to know and have asked such beautiful questions and they far outweigh the hard ones. They far outweigh the bad experiences, but I will never forget the hard. I will never forget the bad. Um, and that's why I think being this vulnerable is just so incredibly important. And listening to this podcast has just been another window of opportunity to see that we are all connected. And Um, challenges and have had our own unique stories, but we are in this together, whether it's through an online community or face-to-face. And I just am so appreciative of the chance to tell a little bit of my story and, and share it and share it with you, Shelly. Yeah, I appreciate it so much and beautifully told too. I have two, I have two questions. Yeah. Um, And just, just like curiosity type questions. Absolutely. Do you, was there any way to know the gender of baby B? Like, do you know it? We do not. Um, okay. There is not a way, um, despite the imaging um, and the position of our baby, they were not able to see it on um, an ultrasound clearly. Mm-hmm. So we definitely, we went through the process of asking. Um, the only way would have been to do um they have some postpartum testing and specific testing that after delivery, but because we were so early on in, in my pregnancy when we lost baby B that there just was, there was no way. Yeah. Um, which I learned quickly was, was really common. Um, it was, and we have in our own way too, I didn't use their names, um, today, but, we went through the process of, of naming both our babies and, mm-hmm. and I use baby A and baby B in this scenario, but I just, that for us felt so, um, so right. And that was mm-hmm. our, our personal choice, um, without even knowing the sex of the baby. So I think it was an, a way for us to start grieving and, yeah. and, and really show our love to you. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think you'll do you think you'll ever mention to your daughter that she was a twin? That is a great question. Um and we have definitely talked a lot about it with both of our girls now. Um even though we chose not to tell our oldest daughter that um I was going through a miscarriage when she was 4 and even though we didn't tell her about um losing another baby while she was expecting uh, a baby sister, um, we will tell both girls eventually, um, okay. someday when they're ready. I think, you know, as life changes and things evolve and they, I think we'll make that decision based on who they are and where they're at in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's a part of their parents' story and I it, it's just the beginning as I become more comfortable as a woman and as an adult, I've definitely want my girls to see that down the road that their stories matter and yeah. that that their mom's story matters too and you know age appropriate conversations are so important but i think um within our family we'll feel very comfortable with that someday mhm 
Yeah, I appreciate you answering that because I, I just yeah. feel like if I was in a similar situation that that would be something that I would be like kind of curious about with other people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, is that something that we do? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, th- I think we're bound to so many um, social and societal norms um, mm-hmm. not to get, you know, uh, too academic about it, but it you do feel a sense of like, is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? What do I do? But I think in the minute we attach some sort of shame to our experiences, and especially with our children down the road, I don't ever want to deny them the chance of knowing the full um, story, the full story, and to know me better too, and to yeah. know their dad, their dad better. Um, but that'll be a time where they can handle it in their lives. Um, yeah. And they have the context to place it in. And um, and I don't know when that will be. And I think that my husband and I have been super um, aware of sharing that, just as with an unplanned pregnancy um, and not being married when you get pregnant, of having mm-hmm. that conversation down the road. It's, it's not the same experiences, but it's how valuable is it to your child's life and to your family's life together and should mm-hmm. it be shared? And when should it be shared? It should be up to your family and not up to what we should or, or shouldn't do based on what other, people are, what, what other people are doing, you know? Yeah. You got to do what's right for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, you, you, have a, you have, like, taken an initiative with your story and really, like, used it purposefully and powerfully. And you're doing something really cool with it. Will you explain yeah. a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. I, um, as you heard, I think to to give a little bit more context as well, when I was struggling and at, and at my absolute lowest, I think the, one of the biggest things was I I just had no, or I felt like I had nowhere to turn. Um, I had, I had friends and I had family members, women in my life that had had miscarriages, but all of our, um, we were either spread out across across the state of Georgia or across the country. Um, But I felt a lack of connection with anybody locally that could sit and listen and just be there with me um, without judgment and in a confidential setting where you felt that level of trust um, that your story was not going to be taken and misconstrued in a way that was that would be detrimental to the fact that you're in such a, such a tough place. And so I searched and searched, I searched for grief groups. I searched for women's groups that were focused on motherhood and mom groups and things. And although I'd been a part of some of them over the years, it never felt like the right space to talk about the toughest, you know, pieces of my life. It felt very surface in a lot of ways. And then I had other people that I could dig in deeper with and really talk to. And so just recently this summer, um, my ideas kind of came to fruition and with a lot of help from a lot of incredible women, like I mentioned, that helped me through my, my hardest times and continue to help me through my grief. Um, they're, they just are amazing and they've encouraged me to, be the type of person in my community that I wish I had had. And it's, it's scary and it's, it feels a little unnerving to begin everything, but I started a group um, called Tethered and it is 
in, you know, in summary is, is a place that I pray and hope for moms in my local area and in a little small town in coastal Georgia in St. Simon's Island, where we can come together um, right now, once, once a month, we're going to have gatherings where we can be together and grieve and support and love one another. And those are the true tenets of the group. And it will hopefully provide such a safe and confidential space for women to sit down face to face and process their grief in any way that they need to in that moment. Um, and I'm just so excited about it. I'm, I'm excited to get started and our first meeting is going to be the first weekend in October coming up. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really just so grateful for the chance to be able to do it and to, to show um, a side of me and, that my, and share my story, but also, you know, advocate for other women in my community as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty much what's been going on. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you jumping on and sharing your story. As always, at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Yeah. Um, Gosh, the main thing I think is that your pain is not invisible and that you are not alone. And this podcast and this group of women in the Lamfam community is is a reminder of that. And fight for yourself, um, fight for your partner and your husband or your husband, and advocate for yourself and fight for your babies um, mm-hmm. because you can do it. And like I said, you're not alone. And I hope that uh, through processes like this, it just continues to remind women out there facing any loss that um, they have people in their corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you guys, her Instagram handle is at tethered group. And as always, I will link that in the description of this episode. Is there anywhere else or is Instagram kind of the best way to um, Instagram's the best. And then okay. through there, my email is linked as well. And I would love to hear from anybody. That'd be great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Shelly. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.